Shenanigans podcast, social commentary, and hot topics with a ton of fun and shenanigans along the way. Amazing guests, games, and spirited conversations. My name is Neo Nix, and yes, that was Rob B. You heard jamming in the background. (laughs) (laughs) For this week's show for Black History Month, we've got the CEO of Homes by Tasha, Tasha Green Coleman, and she'll be talking about the despicable history of redlining in the Black community how it affects us today and what to look for, and the path to overcoming discrimination. And in our quick-fire topics will be the truckers in Canada still going at it, and Dave Chappelle bullying his city council into blocking an affordable housing project, and Lil Fizz and Nelly being body shamed. Our main topic will be Joe Rogan's liberal use of the (laughs) N-word. And the shenanigans of the game show it's truth or lies. But before we get into our show, as always, let me introduce you to our amazing hosts for the next hour. First up, the professor, journalist, editor, and sports intern mentor at ESPN out of Washington, D.C., Miss Lizzie Enders. What's up? What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, Sunday. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, y'all. Super Bowl Sunday. Kickoff is in about two and a half hours. So hopefully you got your menus together, you are ready for the halftime show, and you've made your predictions. Absolutely. And our gamer, tech guru, and rock star with a rock band, Fallen Machine, coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Robbie Rock. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Again, I got to spend some time with my granddaughter this week, and the things that come out of her mouth are just wonderful. So she's telling me that she was made the chief for the day, and they and the chief has to do things for people, like open the door. Oh, great. So <laughs> okay. Service, leadership through service. That's one brilliant. And then she says to me, but get up, Papa. Sometimes when people cut me off at the door, I don't know what to say. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our college student guitarist. An aspiring comedian coming to you from the campus of the University of Maryland, Miss Ellen Dahl. Play <laughs> <laughs> guitar in the background. Yeah, um, Super Bowl Sunday, but I'm 22 and I don't have cable, which means I'm going to my parents' house and going to eat their food. Um, <laughs> Smart yeah, girl. I, maybe I think that there's it's going to be another three years before I can successfully host a Super Bowl party with like you know more than four snacks. So until then, I will be. <laughs> Outsourcing um, everything. What? So, yeah. That's when you have people bring stuff. That's when you have people bring stuff. You yeah, I know, one I know. Bottle, it, You provide one bottle of liquor and then have everyone else bring stuff. That's true. It's going to be one of those situations where everyone brings cups, though, or something like that. Because, you know, people don't. <laughs> I don't Hi, Lizzie. Cups. It looks like you're all set for Valentine's Day. Look at that shirt. I'm all set for Valentine's Day and for football today. And football. So in the the spirit of St. Valentine, I want to ask you guys, how do you feel about Valentine's Day? Love it? Hate it? Overrated? What do you think? Let's start with Ellen. What are you thinking about as a college student, as a young thing? How do you feel about Valentine's Day? 
Yeah, so I'm a lot of people in my situation, meaning perpetually single, where all their friends are in <laughs> really long term relationships. I know, Liz, I was really excited to talk about this because I think that we're, we're similar in this way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're, you know, on the same wavelength. I don't care if people want to, like, I I see it as an excuse for couples to go on a date, regardless of the day of the week. And I think that's great. And I'm not in a couple, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hang out and probably play guitar and, you know, do what I would normally do. But I'm not going to be bitter and be like, oh, you know, it's made by Hallmark or whatever. Because, you know, that's more of a reaction than it is like a commentary on capitalism. So that's just my two cents. So I'm going to be that person. You're not in a couple, right? But are you in a couple? No. I had hey. so many Valentines that I just, I had, you know, it was a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rob? Valentine's Day. Love it, hate it, <sighs> overrate it. Uh, I'm ambivalent towards Valentine's Day. It's uh, It's been over-commercialized and it's disgusting in that, uh, in, in that respect. But uh, Joe and I, I mean, we acknowledged the day. We decided to have a little fire out in the backyard while the weather was mild, back into a deep cold. And we purchased um, some very basic chocolates just for the single people in our family to acknowledge them for Valentine's Day. So <laughs> that's, that's awfully nice. Rob, you have what my address. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> for me, I'm all. I'm all about Valentine's Day. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, it's an opportunity to show my wife how much I love her. I mean, not that I don't do it all the time, but it's an extra day, an extra special day. I already got, so I made it like a three-day thing. So yesterday I got flowers and a card. Okay. Today I got okay. her chocolates. And tomorrow I got something else planned. All right. She's got a, she, it's, it's a busy weekend for both of us, but uh, so we, we, we're trying to carve out some time for some dinner, but we're going to figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, we're all set. I love Valentine's Day. I think people are always surprised by my reaction to Valentine's Day because everyone assumes that I'm all mean and surly, especially because I'm more <laughs> no. single than no. not. But I actually, I absolutely love Valentine's Day. You know, I grew up in a house. There were six of us, six people in our house. Um, my dad and my two brothers, my mom, my sister, and myself. And my dad always took care of his girls. That was my first experience with valentine's day my dad always made mm-hmm. sure that my mom my sister jackie and me we had whether it was cards flowers candy whatever and you start to feel appreciated and as i've gotten older you know i've gotten out of the idea that it's only for couples um yeah. even when i was in a relationship to me it's a it's a day that we set aside to appreciate like a lot of you have said appreciate people and love And so I always tell people every year, my motto every Valentine's Day is love somebody today, even if it's just yourself. Use this as a day for self-love. Use this day as a day for self-love. I don't know. I've been, I don't know why, but I've had on repeat the song, The Greatest Love of All, Mm. which is a song about loving yourself. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. and it really is. It's really hard to love someone else fully without loving yourself first. Yeah. Every Valentine's Day, you know, I I give to people that are in my circle. A lot of times it's little kids. Um, But I also take an opportunity to love myself a little bit extra. (laughs) Just a little bit extra. Just a little bit extra. Um, Yeah, yeah, so just take care. Even if you're single, everyone, you know, love yourself tomorrow. Today, tomorrow, and forever. 
Uh, there's some up. comments online. Jacqueline Robinson, your sister said, yes, he did. I love the Whitman samples. Mm-hmm. Daddy used to buy us. And then the big one. <laughs> Why I'm diabetic. Why I'm diabetic. Maybe y'all like <laughs> and Latoya Blakely's online. Uh, my favorite Valentine's Day gift is still a giant heart-shaped M&M chocolate chip cookie my mom made Ooh. me when I was maybe 10 years old. Aww. Wow. Aww. Now that's a great Valentine's gift. Wow. So y'all yeah. can tune into the after show. We might share some work Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. And experiences with y'all. So tune into the after show. Tune into the after show. All right. So you guys may notice Johnny Storm is off again today, working hard on Beyond the Scars podcast. Real people, real stories of perseverance. And chapter seven, dropping this Wednesday, two-part series, Dr. Tayari Kuande will share his true life story of his difficult family dynamics being uprooted from Detroit in the 70s to South Central LA in the 80s, and how he survived, ultimately using his adversity to persevere into excellence and help youths as an educator. Make sure you're listening to all those stories. Feel free to binge the stories of tragedy, pain, and hardship, and how each person was able to survive and persevere, including our Robbie Rock, who tells his story on the after effects of suicide. Please subscribe on Spotify, Facebook, Google, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply go to beyondthescars.show. All right, we have a jam-packed show, so let's get started. It's uh, Black History Month, and you remember last season we had our spotlight on the likes of the first Black Olympic rower, Kelly Dula, and the youngest member of the Little Rock Nine, Carlotta Walls Lanier. This season, we're going to spotlight guests who are carving out their own space in Black history and have them share with you what they have learned being Black in America and our spotlight on Black history. Today's spotlight for Black History Month is the history of redlining in the Black community with realtor Tasha Green Holman. Welcome back. Welcome back. Asha, welcome back Thank to the you. show. Thank you. It's so good to be back. Good to love see that. you all. We love having you. you. So m- many of our regulars may remember we had a spotlight on Tasha in season two, episode 28, where she shared with us her story to talk more with us about the value of home ownership. So now she is back with us talking about redlining. But before yes. we get into that, how are you and the family since we last saw you? Oh man, we are doing well. Um, gosh, I think the last, I guess the last time I was here, it was, um, I mean, we, we were in pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we kind of thought we were coming out and, um, yet we're, we're, we're still here. So, I mean, everyone's, we're still here, right? There's almost everyone's, a year. You were here last um, April. Oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So we're doing well and everyone's staying safe. I can't complain. All right. And Lizzie had a question for you before we started. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. So tell us. Overrated Valentine's Day. What do you think? Love it? Hate it? Best Valentine's? Uh, worst Valentine's? Uh, so I won't say I won't say I love it and I definitely don't hate it. So I'm, I'm married. I have four daughters. Um, Hello. And our yeah. world. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Valentine's Day. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm into gratitude. Like throughout the entire year. I'm a big gratitude person. So you better be showing me um, that you love me all year round. And, um, you know, we're, we're very, 
you know, we're very, we're very loving family. Um, we're very expressive of, of our love. So to a degree, it's another day. Um, what we tend to put a little more focus in is expressing it um, mostly to our daughters, maybe a little bit more. And then there's the element of making sure like all the kids have the little cards and um, the little candy treats to take to school. But, but nowadays, <laughs> you know, there's so many rules, right? You know, you can't take candy to this school. Maybe this school allows there's like gluten free. It may have nuts. So it, it's a lot of those Aww. things to juggle. So Valentine's Day for me tends to be a little more exhausting, making sure the girls have everything um, they need. And um, I mean, it's always an it's a day also to just give a little extra love um, to yeah. my husband and to yeah. and to our girls. So, um, you know, you, and, and, and at the same time, you can't hate a day that's all about love and happiness. Right. Um, yeah. You kind of you, you kind of can't hate it. Yeah, you can't hate yeah. it. And then. um I want to be very intentional moving forward about concentrating on maybe identifying one or two people that may not have as much love, quote unquote, in their Mm -hmm. worlds. Maybe Mm -hmm. someone that um, is lonely or someone that's, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that that's one thing I really want to focus on moving forward because I'm I'm fortunate to have a lot of love in my life. So I love that. Good question. Love it. That's nice. All right. So today you're actually back joining the conversation on redlining in the black community. So let me quickly explain what redlining is to a lot of our audience who may not know. So redlining has become shorthand for many types of race-based tactics in real estate that exclude people of color from real estate agents, directing black homeowners and renters to certain neighborhoods and away from affluent white neighborhoods to literal racial covenants in many developments that explicitly said Black people are not allowed in these neighborhoods. But the term redlining actually came out of the 1930s with government programs that were designed to prevent foreclosures after the Depression hit. But it was important for the government to keep most of that money out of Black people's hands and also make sure white neighborhoods stayed white. So lenders created these maps, and the term redlining was a reference to the red marks on the maps that outline mixed-race or Black neighborhoods, while the white or more affluent neighborhoods were usually outlined in green, blue, or yellow. So wherever a Black person tried to get a loan, whenever they tried to get a loan with those neighborhoods, they were denied, forcing them into less affluent Black neighborhoods. And if they did get a loan for a redlining community, they were charged some impossible interest rate leading to heavy foreclosures in those neighborhoods. And although it was made illegal in 1968, segregation, exclusionary practices have morphed and continue to this day and continue to hold Black people back from building wealth in the U.S. So, Latasha, you're out there every single day. What do you know about redlining and what are you seeing out there today? So... It's a very interesting concept. And um, one of the first things I want to make sure people understand is that it is, it's very real and it's very impactful. In fact, I want to go back to um, the 1930s and the Federal um, Housing Authority. They actually had a manual which um, actually stated that um, you explicitly could not loan to um people in black communities, right? So it's not even just, um, I mean, literally, um, they refuse to insure mortgages both in and near 
black neighborhoods. Okay. It's something that still goes on. It's not as, it's not as blatant, but this is something that literally stems from our government. Okay. And I think the most important thing that we can do is start to educate ourselves about the, um, the history of this, these systemic practices, right? I wanted to, um, bring up a few cases in particular. And one thing I want to talk about is I read something recently that said 80% of large metropolitan areas are still segregated and they're more segregated today versus like, um, back in 1980 and 1990. Think about that. Think about that. Um, there's been a lot of, um, you know, tremendous court cases around segregation. And what the general consensus is, is that their segregation is still happening, mostly in, um, you know, large metropolitan areas, as I mentioned, but it's de facto segregation versus um, what they call de jure segregation. Mm -hmm. So de facto segregation is, um, well, people just like to live among other people that are similar to them, Mm. or it it kind of happened by Mm -hmm. accident, right? Mm -hmm. Or it happened by accident. Um, de jure segregation is literally um, segregation that is government created, mm-hmm. enforced, um, and even sponsored. Uh, what's really interesting is that history actually has facts around the fact that segregation is literally government sponsored. Yep. We we don't talk about it enough. Like, let's think about the civil rights movement and the civil rights, um, all of the, you know, civil rights acts. Technically, a lot of things were addressed and to a degree, housing segregation is something that, um, I mean, some people believe to a large degree was left intact because again, um, maybe we have the option, quote unquote, to live where we want to live. But in many cases, we really didn't have that option. And if we look at the disparity in um, in wealth right now, a lot of it actually stems from real estate. Okay, a lot of it actually stems from real estate. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the majority of yeah, wealth is in real estate, from what I was reading. Right? Correct. Right. The majority Correct. of wealth it, in the in the country is is real estate. It is, and I want you to think about it generationally. So. Um, Post World War II, um, or even like right after the Great Depression, we'll start with after the Great Depression, and then after World War II, most um, most people, believe it or not, um, based on research, were still living pretty desegregated. Right? What happened after? Um, I guess it was President Roosevelt established the New Deal um, housing amendment. This was 1934. They actually very strategically developed what I call the suburban blueprint. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So um, there's a community that is kind of one of the first big suburbs um, in the country. And I, I kind of call it the blueprint, Levittown in, um, in New York, suburban New York. Yep. Um, this community consisted of 17,000 single family homes. At this point, um, a lot of white people and black people were living in public housing. Guess what? Public housing was established and it looked very different from what we know of public housing today. Mm-hmm. Public housing was established for the working class because there was a shorting for housing. What the government did, however, was establish public housing for black people and public housing for white people. And you can even read that um, in a lot of cases, the communities where they created two separate housing facilities were not segregated. It, the government 
did it this way and it became segregated, right? So the developer, um, in order for him to get funding to develop this new suburb, right? At this point, they're building um, highways finally. This is in the 1930s. They're building, the jobs are moving more so out of the city because people can actually get there. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's happening in order for the funding to be established to the developer, he had to go to the federal housing authority. Guess what? They agreed to give him these this funding, but what had to be listed in the covenants and deeds and restrictions is that you cannot resale or rent to black people. Mm-hmm. Of course. Okay. Of course. It, it's so can I just add something yeah. to that? Because I don't think a lot of people are aware of this and throughout his entire campaign and presidency, mm-hmm. I kept preaching this. 45, Donald J. Trump in the 80s was sued by the U.S. Justice Justice Department because he refused to either rent or sell his properties to Black people. This is a a president of these United States. So when people used to ask the question, okay, so where's the proof that he's racist? I'm like, hello. Yes, we are talking. We're in the 21st century. But if my parents had been under his jurisdiction back then, and looking to buy or rent one of his properties, he would have denied them. Both he and his father would have denied them because of the color of their skin. So this is very real, people. And it's a part of the U.S. justice system. It's a part of the U.S. government. And it's a part mm-hmm. of apparently who we decide to elect the president in this country. Absolutely. 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 So, um, you know, think you're very you're right. And it's very real. Um, and, and in my opinion, there's a reason why, you know, there's this, these big discussions around, um, what is it, the critical race theory. People, <laughs> there are very, very real facts of things that have occurred in history. And some people just don't want their kids and grandkids to hear it. Yeah. Right. Um, this, this conversation so, well, on redlining yeah. is so important because it is. If you have to realize, people think that these bad neighborhoods just popped up out of nowhere. But not only did they desegregate the bad neighborhood into black people into some of these neighborhoods, these undesirable neighborhoods, but they also flooded in the 80s, the 70s, 80s, they flooded it with drugs. Actually, before that, they flooded it with mm-hmm. drugs. Reagan, Reagan, right. Nixon, hello. Yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And think about it, right? Think about back in um back in that time. Like it was setting the precedent for. Um, you know, what is happening in our world today. Think about it. These weren't homes that were not affordable. No. Um, there were plenty of black vets that were coming back that had an opportunity that should have had an opportunity and could afford it. These were not like tremendously priced property. So what happens? It's only the white people living in these communities. Um, what happened over time, you build equity. You build equity in your home, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um it, it creates equity equals wealth. What happens then the next generation and then the next generation? Meanwhile, everyone else in the black community that may have had an opportunity, they're forced to rent. Right. They're they're just forced into different opportunities. So it's um, it's a very real thing. thing. I want to point out one thing, because, um, you know, people think that we're just saying this. Right. But this is from an actual one of the um, actual documents. So it says uh, I don't remember where this was from, but. Or Maywood, Illinois, right? 
And it says, a description of characteristics of the area. This is an old shabby neighborhood. Situated in the village. Terrain is with good trees, etc. Uh, heavily traveled. It talks about a bus line and uh, nearby suburban communities, churches, schools are convenient. Um, and this sounds like an amazing place, except for it says at the bottom here, the area is of mixed and rather poor appearance and unlikely to improve very much due to age and low-grade population, comma, of which considerable portion are Negroes. This is fourth grade, meaning redlined, because of poor prospects and undesirable population. So it's a good area, right? But because Black people are there, it's not a good area. <laughs> you understand? Mm -hmm. They redlined well, that, that area. And mm -hmm. that leads into the term white flight. That's exactly what yep. white flight means. The, mi the mass migration of white people from certain areas, from certain cities, to the suburbs, to the country, because Black people were starting to buy and own property and rent property in those previously white dominated areas. That's exactly what white flight means. Yep. And that's Absolutely. still the case. That's still the case, at least in Long Island, because I have a lot of family from Long Island. They're not that far from Levittown, um, but they just keep moving wow. east. They keep seeing like they mm. just they're going to run out of land. First of all, like you're going to move to the Hamptons. <laughs> There's the Atlantic Ocean. But, you know, they think that the city is being ruined by people of color, you know. Oh, there's a comment online from Jacqueline Robinson. This is why Black-owned banks like Industrial Bank of Washington were crucial in the ability of Black homeowners to obtain loans. Mm -hmm. And it and also goes point. into the theory where, where you have a lot of politicians, a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans who are always telling, you know, Black people, minorities or whatever, um, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We've given yes. you this opportunity and you have squandered it. You know, you, you always make excuses. You don't take advantage of the opportunities that we have given you. Well, how are we supposed to do that when you always sabotage? Exactly. Government-regulated sabotage of me just trying yes. to get a home, of me just trying to get a home. Yeah, which is Blakely, supposed to be your constitutional right. Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. Toya Blakely says, that is why I don't argue with Trumpers, because they are some of the most deluded people on the planet. I'm not going to drive myself crazy arguing people. Willing, willingly wearing blinders so that man's very, to that man's very overt racism. Olivia says the segregation wasn't authentically created to better the blacks in America. There's a lot of information on this. It actually hurt a lot of blacks that were millionaires, entrepreneurs, business, etc. I don't know about that on desegregation. I think desegregation was necessary to get us to where we are. Um, Necessary, necessary to get us to allow us the opportunity. Right, like I don't need. Mm. There it is. I don't need there it is. Government enforced segregation. The government telling me white only, colors mm. only. Right. The government telling me I can only exist in this space. Um, that was the whole point of desegregation to get rid of those mandates. Exactly. Um, but I also challenge people to, if you want to, you know, get into theater, you want to get into reading. Um, and I think, you know, Tasha's going to introduce you guys to a book in a minute, but even go back to the 1959 play, Raisin in the Sun. Mm -hmm. Raisin oh, in yeah. the Sun was a play that was based, written about a, a family living in Chicago, trying yes. to move from their Chicago 
urban area to a predominantly white suburb and the challenges they faced trying to do that. And this was, you know, an award-winning play. I've seen it in very iterations, but it speaks to a lot of what Tasha is talking about here. So this has been going on forever, folks. Forever. It, it hasn't. In 1950s, that's not a long time ago. There was, um, right. I really think about that. It's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. There was a case that I read about, and and, and I'll tell you, um, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you guys um, the book a little bit later. Um, in Chivalry, Kentucky, in the 1950s, there was a guy that I read about, Andrews Wade, um, World War II vet. He's coming back after serving his country. He's an electrician by trade. He even owns, um, he owns and operates a business. Um, he's married. He has a, I believe he had a daughter. Um, they decided that the current neighborhood that they were in, uh, you know, they wanted a different environment. He wanted more space and a better situation for his family. Um, he moved into a community in Chivalry, Kentucky. Um, obviously he could afford it probably more so than most people that actually live mm. there. Um, mm. he, um, well, well, he, excuse me, he, he attempted to move into the community. No realtor at that time would show him a home. Wow. Right. Um, he would inquire when they figured out he was, um, a, you know, a black American. No one would show him a home. What happened? He really wanted to get into this community. He found a friend of his. Um, the white friend purchased the home on his behalf and then resold wow. the home to him. He moved into the property. Wow. Not even a week later, not even a week later from moving into the home. Um, he there's cross burning on his lawn. There's um Shots fired near his home. There's rocks thrown. Um, not even 11 days after moving into his home, his his homeowner's insurance company drops him, not from lack of paying a premium. They considered him high risk. High risk. Right? High risk. Yeah. High risk. High risk. Not, not even two months later. Not even not even two months later. I'm sorry, my prayer probably fell out. Not even two months later, his insurance company sends him a notice of default because you can't have a mortgage without homeowners insurance. So they're saying you have about, I think it was eight or 10 days in order to pay your mortgage in full, or we're going to serve you a notice of default and foreclose on your property. This right. Regularly um, happening. This, this, this is in nineteen. This, this was is in 19. Right. And this was not an anomaly. This was a normal operating procedure, but I wanted it was to show, a normal operating procedure. I wanted to show this. Uh, we talked about covenants. Um, and then this is actually some lakefront property. I think this was in Minnesota. And, you know, it gives a lot of details and ad talking about, you know, those groups. They, they, it's a discount, three years, 6% interest. But then there are these restrictions. It says the party, the second part hereby agrees that the premises hereby conveyed shall not at any time be conveyed, mortgaged, or leased to any person or persons of Chinese. Japanese, Moorish, Turkish, Negro, Mongolian, Semitic, or African blood or descent. I mean, it's in black and white. This is what was happening. This is mm-hmm. actively what was happening. And yeah, so can't we deny have these all white communities uh, and pushing black people and others into these these horrible, these bad neighborhoods. So when we look at these the ghettos, and the, the same thing happened also. If we look back at, um, we talk about public housing briefly, but that's what happened with public housing. Yeah. You know, you created basically ghettos um, and put all of these people into these ghettos and said, hey, this is this is what we're going to do. And we're going to drop drugs right up in there. That's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty horrible what the country has done. 
And when we're looking at black wealth, I wanted to know, Tasha, what are you still seeing, though? What are you seeing today? I know we're talking about what's happening before, but even when yeah. I had, we, we, you worked with me with um, the, my grandmother's house, and we had an issue with the appraisal, you know, being a Black-owned mm-hmm. property. We got a very mm-hmm. extremely low appraisal, um, and it was surprising. And, you know, what are you seeing out there? Um, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, you may or may not have heard. Um, there's a couple in, um, I think, Marin, California, somewhere in California, um, the Austins. They bought a property, um, substantially rehabbed the property, um, then went and obtained an appraisal. The, the appraisal was surprisingly low. Um, thankfully, they had the wherewithal to, you know, just kind of take a step back and um, just come up with a different strategy. You want to know what their strategy was? What's that? They um, whitewashed the property. They removed all um, traces of photos. Um, they, you know, or, or just showing any ethnicity or anything. They, you know, just kind of made it a, a blank slate. They then had a good friend of theirs stand in to meet the appraiser as the owner. Um, it was one of their their um, white friends. And wouldn't you know it, the within the, I don't even know if it was a full two-week time frame, the second appraisal came back $500,000, a whole half million dollars higher. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the, and those, are, those are the things that we're seeing today. Today, we still we see those things in Canada. Also, there was a sting that was done by uh, I think it was in Ottawa, and that's it. They had um, a black couple, they had a Japanese couple, and a Caucasian couple um, all go into the same house, and they had three appraisals get in, and there was a considerable there's a deviation of about one hundred sixty thousand. Um, the s- smallest margin of difference was with the Caucasian couple, then with uh, the Asian couple, sure. and with black couple that's where you saw the greatest deviation in the um in the assessments of the properties but it's not a uniquely american thing it's it's stories that we see on that are posted on the internet that are in our social media circles that are in our news feeds that are you know a part of the lifestyle page of the washington post every single week it's not just about money we're talking about people who have money to buy homes who have qualified for yep. loans to buy homes, yep. but they are being denied the regular services that people who are white are afforded. We're talking about people who are, you know, when they go to try to sell their home, right? Mm-hmm. And their property is being appraised at a lower rate yep. than white folks. Like just what Tasha and and Rob just said, like I've seen so many stories where, okay, I put up, you know, my property's for sale, my house is for sale. I want to get it appraised. And it's appraised for one amount based on the fact that, you know, the appraisal people, company, whatever, know that I'm black. But then you put somebody's white, somebody who is white, their name in, and then mm-hmm. it appraises for a much higher value. You talk about people who, you know, they determine that your property value is worth less because you are a black homeowner versus a white homeowner. This is specifically about color and how certain people want their neighborhoods to look, how certain people don't want to live next to someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the evidence is there. And it's not just about, yeah. you know, who we can make money off of. It's about the color that that money is coming from. And then we're not even taking into account the disparity in income. And, and wealth can right. exist already. And then on top of that, when we're talking about 
income, we're talking about working, um, and the ability for Black people to get good jobs, right? That was has been a problem historically. Of course, you know, it's getting better over time, but still it's not equal. And then you look at credit and credit history. So when we're talking about trying to buy a house and, you know, coming out of school, I didn't know anything about credit. They're teaching credit to in, you know, certain colleges and certain schools and, you know, and it's not happening in the, in the black communities that they pushed us into, you know, where we grew up in, you know, that's just not what it is. So there's disparity all around. And it's, there's, it's just this huge catch up that we're constantly doing in, in the United States. And I guess, and I, again, as Rob mentioned, it's not just unique to the United States. Um, but it's also interesting to hear Rob's perspective. It is. We don't necessarily think this is going on in Canada too, right? Um, it, 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 I'm always, I always feel enlightened when Rob offers <laughs> the perspective from up north. Yep. Because who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Well, Tasha, unfortunately, we're out of time. But do you have any final thoughts? I know you want to share the book. Anything you'd like to share? And oh. then please oh, let people yeah. know how they can reach you. Because you're an amazing agent. <laughs> you will definitely help someone get their house sold or get into a house. So please, any final thank thoughts? You. And of course, please share um, share about you. Absolutely. Um, first, thank you all for this conversation. It's such an important conversation um, for mm-hmm. us to have. Um, I would encourage everybody to read um, The Color of Law. And it's The Color of Law, Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America by Richard Rothstein. Um, and then just, you know, the most important thing we can do is educate ourselves. Um, again, these, these are not our opinions. These are facts. You can, you can Google the FHA manuals that have this racist, um, language. You can find old FHA propaganda folders that, um, that causes white flight and blockbusting and things like that. And then just, um, advocacy there's, um, a great organization, National Association of Real Estate Brokers. It's um, the Black version of NAR. At one point, Black oh. agents could join NAR. Um, so it, it's um, there's a report that they just put out, the State of Housing in Black America. Feel free to Google it or, or reach out to me. I'll send it to you. It's a great, it's just information. And, um, you know, we need to talk about it. We need to yep. open our minds and we, we need to talk about it. This is not opinion. These are all facts. And um, the things that were done in those days certainly still impact us today. So um, we need to talk about it. That, that's really what it is. And you can reach me um, on Instagram, Tasha Realtor, T-A-S-H-A Realtor. Um, I'm always around, available. I love what I do. Um, I have a newfound passion for um, just, you know, really helping everybody create wealth, but really um, have these conversations so that we can make a change. If we don't face it, how can we how can we change it, right? Absolutely. It's real. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you again. Thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Thank we are going to have to have you. you back. We're definitely going to have to get you back. Always. <laughs> All right. Always. All right. Happy Black History Month, y'all. Happy Black History Happy Month. Black History Month. Right. Neil, can I just add one thing just very briefly? Because I think we've talked about a lot in terms of the Black community, how we weren't necessarily taught about wealth and real estate Mm -hmm. and how to buy property or invest in property. And this is one of the reasons why. If our grandparents and grandparents had to deal with redlining Mm -hmm. and being rejected. They didn't know. 
their only options were mm-hmm. to rent, then how could they impart that knowledge that to us. of real yep. estate onto us? That's a great point. Absolutely. You know, I hadn't even looked and at that, that perspective until of, you mentioned it. And it makes me think of Ethel's conversation last week where she said, you know, mm. the one thing that people don't give us enough credit for as a community is that the Black community are excellent savers. And if you yeah. are in a renting situation, that is the only way to build wealth is to save that money. So because they can't build it through real estate. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, there's a couple of comments I did want to get that were online. Uh, Jeanette Brown mentions favelas, shanty towns, mine camps, reservations, projects, ghettos, often on flood, flood plains near pollutants. And Mike Winner says, and often that crap was purposely put near the favelas, etc. Southwest was here, was put here because um, they were the sewer. Um, yeah, this great conversation, great thoughts. I just want to add, um, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but I think, I mean, as a result of Levittown and housing developments like that, Long Island is one of the most racist places I've ever been. People from Long Island Say it louder are for the people in the back. Racist. Say it louder for the people in the back. So many people are incredibly racist. And like Mm -hmm. you were saying, Liz, people are like, you know, it's black people's fault for, you know, like not taking opportunities and being lazy. Um, But since these people have like since black people have been redlined away from them, they've developed all these ideas about about black people in New York and basically them like, you know, (laughs) like ruining the city and then moving out east and then they have to move further away from the black people. And it's just. Yeah, it's a it's a mess. And for me, the the problem with segregation, the problem with segregation, and, and is that when you're segregating people off, you don't get to know people for being people. Yeah. You just see yeah. them as this thing, as this mm-hmm. blackness mm-hmm. or this other thing. But you don't get to know the individual and the person, and you don't get to over see through all of these uh, prejudices that we have naturally. Yeah. Or even my problem with it is that, you know, a government telling me to stay in my lane. Yeah, that's that's a huge problem because of the color of my skin. Because of the color of my skin. And let me tell you, like, I I, born and raised in D.C. I can't change that. You know, I I grew up in a house, in a single family house. Both of my parents worked hard, diligently. Every there was no laziness in our house. Yeah, You couldn't stay in the house if you were lazy and didn't want to go to school, and didn't want to work. And all my friends, I grew up amongst people who had the same mindset. So this idea that these people are pushing, that Black people are lazy, that we don't want to work, that we just want to take handouts, I'm like, what Black people do you know? Because, um, okay, yeah, yeah, there are some like Hmm. that, but there are also white people like that. There are Latino people like that. Like, it's not an exclusive trait to Black people. I'm an example. Yep. I think Neo is an example. Mike Winter, like all of us. Like I, I work. Yep. I've worked my entire life. Never been lazy about anything. And so it pisses me off that this is the conversation as to why I wouldn't be able to get a loan or why I wouldn't be allowed to live in a neighborhood. Like it's yeah. ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, this conversation certainly went longer than we expected. But I, there's just so many great comments. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll go with our original plan to take. Um, uh, our conversation about Joe Rogan to the after show. But um, I do want to get these comments because they're great comments. So um, Jacqueline Robinson, said, Mike Winter, well, you recall what Lyndon Johnson once said, give the lowest white man someone to look down on. He'll never notice you're picking his pocket. Mm. Yep. Mm. And, and 
And that that goes to all of Trump's followers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That 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 speaks to all of Trump's followers yeah. because they they can't look past the racial element and recognize that Trump was not for them at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He really wasn't. All right. So before we get into our quick fire, let's give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode. That's Utopian Lights Candles. Utopian with an E. Utopian Lights Luxury Candles caters to a specific clientele. They focus on clients who are on their healing journey to self-love. Visit utopianslights.co, utopianlights.co, for a healthy glow-up. Use the code GOALGETTER, and you'll receive 25% off your purchase of $45 or more. Again, utopian, with an E, lights.co, the home of luxury manifestation candles. Okay, let's get into our quick fire. All right, our hosts have some topics to share, but we have three minutes to discuss and one minute to hear from the audience. So type those comments really fast. Any topics where a host won't shut up, we do have that dreaded mute button and they can save their comments for our after show. All right, so let's do it. Robbie, you're up first. All right. So the Freedom Convoy is three weeks old and going. Um, state of emergency <laughs> was declared on Friday uh, by Ontario Premier Doug Ford, and the emergency measures include protecting international border crossings, highways, airports, ports, bridges, railways, uh, protecting safe and essential movement of ambulatory and medical services. They've introduced fines for non-compliance uh, with a maximum penalty of $100,000 and up to a year of prison. The Ambassador Bridge protest uh, that joins uh, Windsor and Detroit was cleared earlier uh, today, so it can be reopened. Well done. Um, Ottawa Police and RCMP have now launched an integrated command center. There's a $9.8 million class action lawsuit being pursued by the residents of Ottawa against the organizers and protesters. Funding is coming in anonymously from um, foreign sources, and uh, it's a cause for intelligence concerns in Canada. There's been a concerted attack on 911 circuits in Ottawa. Um, residents from Ohio were accidentally calling in to Ottawa, Ohio, to report uh, bomb threats and being shot, whatnot. It's just a complete shit show. There's so much more going on. And I just wanted to get your reactions on this ongoing protest. Uh, like Liz was saying, it, there's an update every six hours. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with Lizzie on that one. I couldn't keep up this week, Rob. Like, I, you know, I wanted to re continuously read about this topic so I could be prepared for this show. But I found myself constantly being like, okay, let me send this to Rob. Oh my God, this just happened. Let me send this to Rob. <laughs> and it really is trickling down you know, to what is happening here, but also going international. Like there have been happenings in it or convoys, if you will, in France, in New Zealand, like all over the world. And I, I still don't understand, Rob, how we got to this. Point. Like, is this mandate, COVID mandate, mask mandates, or are we venturing into something else? Because that's what it feels like, right? It always starts with this one small thing, but then it takes on this other turn, this other identity. And like you said, like there are now American Republicans, conservatives who are talking about this, who are jumping on this bandwagon. Trump started it. 
because he was supporting the Freedom Convoy. And now you have these dumbass members of con- Congress, Ted Cruz, yeah, I'm talking about you, who are jumping on <laughs> this bandwagon. And it's just like, I thought you guys as Americans were all about materialism and the economy. You really think a truck pro- a, tr- a protest with truckers is going to be beneficial to the American economy? Okay, I want to hmm. see that happen. Mm-hmm. I want to see that happen. Idiots. All right, let me get Ellen in here for about 15, 20 seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily have anything new to add. Like Liz said, it's like, oh my God, I cannot keep up with this marathon of a, of, of a news cycle. But I mean, you know, it's just, I, I, blame, <laughs> I blame American politics and the way that conservatives uh, organize themselves. Um, this is such an American protest. Like, it really you know, it's all about me. We're going to take our trucks. And we're gonna block out this area, you know. Like mm-hmm. we've had trucker convoys in in DC area before, and yeah, they've they've done tried the same thing, and they're apparently gonna try to do it in at the Super Bowl and some others. I don't know if they're doing it right now or not. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's you know they're taking after us. We're like a we're like a bad like an in, bad influence of a friend who like ha- does cool <laughs> things sometimes, but like it's most like a of bad the times. Sleazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, sorry. All right, Robbie. 15 seconds, Rob. Canada is is America, right? Canada is still North America. Mm. They're American. Right, right, right. So there are counter-protests that are popping up. Uh, The residents of Ottawa are blocking major arteries to prevent anyone else from joining the uh, convoy, which is awesome. And Wapgija Grice is an Indigenous person who is really entrenched in CBC uh, Radio Canada, and tweeted something brilliant. Not to diminish anyone's fear or alarm, but it appears white people in Ottawa are starting to understand what it's like to be constantly let down by police and the justice system. Wow. There you go. Okay. So, I mean, my question to Rob is, how are you and your family? Have you been affected? We got to move to the next one, unfortunately. Let's, let's see so if you we can, can tell us that, Rob, in, in the after show. We'll yeah. talk to you about it Absolutely in the after can. show. I'm really curious about that. It's really over time. All right. So, Lizzie, you are up next. So, our, I'm sorry, not our, I don't really claim them, but your friend, <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Um, so, Ellen and I, we, we seem, seem to be the only voice of reason on this show, as if we've been on the show. Um, uh, Dave Chappelle is back in the news again. Apparently, he appeared or made comments earlier this week um, at a, a city. Um, city council meeting about a development project in Ohio, in which he claimed that, you know, he has, this is a development that is supposed to be built just outside of where he and his family lives, also where he has put in money to um, develop a, com- a comedy club and a whole bunch of other things in that city. And because new developers were building up housing in that area and had plans to attach affordable housing to that project. Um, Dave Chappelle initially took exception and said he was against it and that he would pull the $65 million that he has poured into this area out of his plans if they didn't mix the project. So I just want to get everyone's reaction to that. You know, good old Dave Chappelle, good old champion of the LGBTQ community. Um, a true ally. True ally. So, what do you guys think about this? Let me. Um, I, I'd like to jump in on this one. 
I don't think it's as simple as just, you know, him saying, I don't want affordable housing. I've been in local city council meetings a lot for projects like this. And the reasons people have are never as simple as I don't want something like affordable housing. It's traffic, it's the road conditions, it's the designs are shitty, it's a crooked contractor, the disruption from construction, or the time period it's going to take. Like we had bike lanes coming into College Park, and most people were supportive of the idea of bike lanes, but they hated the design or it was going to disrupt traffic, or even the bikers didn't like the roads they were going down. So both sides hated it. So although the project is affordable housing, there's no indication that Dave Chappelle does not support the idea of affordable housing because he hasn't said that. Mm-hmm. The only thing he didn't support was this project. And it's not clear the specifics of why he doesn't support this project. So whose fault is that, that it's not clear? But yeah. It doesn't matter, though. But it doesn't matter. No, it feels no, like this feels like matter. media it's spin. True. The contractor no, spinning it, city council we spinning it, and this is just that narrative of Dave Chappelle is a hypocrite. He got up in the meeting in the meeting and said, "I I'm saw it." Pull it back, mm-hmm. and he, but he did not give his because he didn't support the project. Not that he didn't okay. support affordable housing, and okay, affordable so housing was support. never brought up specifically. If he didn't support, no, it what because his his publicist made a statement afterwards addressing the support, the affordable housing aspect of it and and said now it wasn't that he didn't support affordable housing there we go. he didn't uh-huh. support he didn't support the cookie cutter idea of these single family homes right there we go. perfect yeah but he, Makes but, sense. he didn't, but he did but he didn't support affordable housing either he didn't say because uh, they, because but that doesn't mean he doesn't support affordable housing you're extrapolating no i'm not because the publicist said with this plan, there was not going to be a large affordable housing implement anyway. But there could be so another affordable housing project that he might support. Mm-mm. But he not didn't that. say that. But he no. didn't say that. There's too many reasons. Like, it, he doesn't but, have to say it for us he, to, to for us to not say it's, that he extrapolate and make, say that he's. If you're going to make a public statement, make the full statement. And he doesn't have to not say that he hates white people. To, to then they say, well, he didn't say he doesn't hate okay, white now, people. Okay, now you're deflecting. We're not. <laughs> no, he didn't say. Now, just because he didn't no, say it doesn't no, mean he, about, he believes we're it. Talking about, we're talking about this specific issue. Don't get off topic. And just because he didn't say it doesn't mean he believes but then, it. But then, but then you can't. But then you can't react to what we are interpreting. What he say? If he's going to make a public comment, if he's going to have his PR person, he didn't make say comment, make a public comment to say I don't want affordable housing. But if you're going to comment and be so boisterous about it. He said, I don't want this to, project. Don't be, don't be, but tell us why. Why? Don't be yeah. up to, don't because be up he's going to pull out a bunch of money. He has to, but like, you, you even said his easy. publicist made a statement as to why. Mm-hmm. Do you know a publicist is a liar? A publicist is and a see, see, he, he can't win. He can't win. No, he, he told you why. You said he didn't tell no, you why. He told you why, and that's not good enough. No, he didn't and the publicist <laughs> did go on to say that there were other meetings that happened that they were not privy to. So they don't have the full narrative. And because I've always considered Dave to be a champion of narrative. the people who gives back to the community. And there is a lot of detail missing to be able to formulate but a you strong know what the, opinion you know on what this the developer said? You know what the developer said? Of course they they're said. Move no, no. Oh. The developer said they're going to move forward with the project, but now not with any affordable housing. 
That's that's then that's a problem with the developer. <laughs> but but that's as a as a, as a direct result. He's like, okay, they're like, okay, you don't what you don't like what our affordable housing plan was for this. We won't give any. We're just going to give single family homes at market rate and let it be that. That's what their and reaction. So you should be mad at the contractor for not coming up with a better plan. Because a lot of the public view, the public commentary about this, okay, people don't really know what affordable housing is. Let me just get Ellen in here because we've taken too long. Low-income housing. Affordable housing and low-income housing are two completely different things. Yes. Completely. Yes. So, but let me just get Ellen's comment. She was going to say something before we uh, read Ellen. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much with Liz. I think that, I know that his publicist put out a statement, but I think he could have done a better job of articulating himself. I mean, I think he just could have provided a better explanation. Like, he just could have provided more. This was like a bad episode, by the way, of Perks and Rec from like season six when they should have already like moved on with the show. Like just these people in city council that don't really know what they're talking about. But I think that if he's going to pull all that money, I think that he is op- or he's threatening to pull all that money. I think that he should provide a, a larger statement. I mean, he's it's like what five million he's dollars. Doing. Affordable yeah, housing is not even the main dollars. part of the project. <laughs> it's but not even the most significant. So he, he can never, be upset. Just him being he upset at the project. That. It's not even the main. So this is spin. But if this is just him saying, gonna... oh, he doesn't like affordable housing. He doesn't like the but project. And initially, he never denied it, though. He, the publicist only made a statement after the backlash. He stood up in front of a panel of people and said X, Y, Z. But they he never said, said well, affordable X, housing. Z. I don't That's like the affordable is. housing aspect. So why are we saying he doesn't like affordable That's housing? Where's that coming him. from? That's on him. He doesn't That's like the project. Him. Where is it coming from that he doesn't that like affordable housing? Him. That is on him. And 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 I will do I will do in the in the in the span where we go from this to the after show because this wasn't the first time he talked about it. This has been going on since November, December. We got to say he had ample time. I'm sorry. To clarify I, I apologize. The host. I was supposed time. to stop us. I got to stop myself. Hold on. I don't have a mute button. For Ain't no myself. stopping me. Ain't no stopping me. <laughs> I'm gonna use Ellen's mute button so Ain't I no can. I'm going to use my own mute button. That, that's Ellen's mute button, but that's for me. That's Ellen. That ain't for me? I know. I'm using it for me. I, I, need, to, I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop. <laughs> I can't. I have more to say, but I can't say it. Okay. So, all right. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? This is truth. He's telling the truth. What is this? That's some truth. Some truth. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Truth. It's not pretty It's true. not bullshit. It's truth. He he was very. He's going to take his money it's if they go true. through with this stupid it's project where all these got movie theaters true. and stuff. He don't want the movie theaters. How you know he don't want the movie theater? Maybe. Why would he? Why would he want the? Why you don't, how do you know what party? Theaters? Okay, I'm stopping. I'm stopping. Well, he doesn't want the movie theaters, <laughs> but he wants his own comedy club. Come on now. Okay, Come on all right. now. I don't stop. Come on now. I know we were supposed to have our fan topic. I, I got to make sure I get it at least mentioned. We're supposed to have our fan you don't topic. We have to get into the fan topic. We're not. We're not. Awesome. But little, little, <laughs> we were talking about Little Fizz. Uh, little Fizz and Nelly posting videos of respective penises, and there have been jokes all over the internet about Nelly's penis being too small. Little Fizz is looking like a mushroom. And <laughs> on TLSfans.com, Sonia Elias. Uh, Ask the question, when women are body shamed, there seems to be an uproar, yet it seems acceptable when the jokes are on the men. I'm just going to go around the horn, and I'm just going to ask yay or nay 
if uh, you think that it's acceptable to do these jokes on men or is it is it body shaming? Let me start with Ellen. Do you think this is body shaming or is it acceptable to tell these jokes? Uh, well, first of all, I'm I don't have stakes in this, right? I am not a size queen because I'm not in just, anything. Queen yeah, your name. Like that. I just connect to that. <laughs> just yeah, your name. Just yeah, your name. Okay, all right. I guess it's body shaming. I okay. guess it's not cool. Hi, right, Robbie. It's Robbie. Not very, it's not nice. It's body shaming. It's not cool. And to clarify, there's no such thing really as a pretty penis. So, you know. Uh, Lizzie <laughs> begs to differ because she said <laughs> it on a previous show. Just, you just body shame. You just body shame. All penises are body shame. Yeah, your name. Real quick. It depends on the guy. If you a guy that two weeks ago body shamed a woman, what's good for the goose is good for okay, the gander. I, you know what? That's, I agree with that. that's the best argument I've heard. And I, you got Fast. me agreeing with you on that one. <laughs> all right. You, you got me agreeing. Is this, uh, okay, so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm doing that. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got to we've got to close this out. We've got to get into our game show. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Today's game is truth or lie. The app will give a statement, and we'll have to guess if it's a truth or a lie. We're all participating using our paddles. And whoever answers right gets a point. The person with the most points gets the final thought for the show. So we're using our paddles. Is this truth or a lie? Is this truth or a lie? So the question is, LeBron James has won several chess tournaments. Is this true or a lie? I'm going with... I'll, I'll, I'll say true. Lies. I'm going with lie. You, right? I'm going to say true. true. I think that's true. Yeah. Be true. How are we supposed to know? Everybody says truth with me. Let's see. Yeah, damn you. This is false. <laughs> oh. Lies. <laughs> lies. Oh. Lies. I knew it had to be lies. Point for me. Well. Oh, you're doing the drinks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. well, well, how do we know it's a lie? Because they said it. All right. So, Who's they? <laughs> I don't know. The app. Ooh. All right. So, the oldest cat in the world is 28 years old. Is this truth or lie? I'm going with the that. point so far. Like, like uh, ever? I think, that, I think that there's a cat that lived to 30. I'm going with truth. Let's see. Cats live for forever. Everybody's got lies with me. Okay, let's see. So, Where's Robin Johnson when we need her? Wait you got hang with This me? is true! Uh, yes! I might win oh this my one. God. This might be the first one I win in, like, forever. I mean, <laughs> I think this is all Neo fact-checking. This sounds like all Neo version of yeah. fact-checking. <laughs> fact no, it's not. It's very credible. Crabs, wow, okay, what is this? Crabs can reach orgasm by clashing their tweezers? Oh, they're, I guess they're pincers, yeah. I, I hope that's true. I think that's just I so hope awesome. That's true too. That is so creative. I don't know. That is so creative. You can reach nature. orgasm? I'm going with lies. I'm going with Liz on this. Liz got <laughs> lies. Okay, so we're just going to see. He's been right on everything, so I'm nervous. Yay! <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say, this oh one is I'm the only one drinking here. No <laughs> yeah. one okay, here, I got a drink. I got a drink. I got ginger beer. I have beer. <laughs> All right, yeah, actual beer. Okay. All right, so I got three points. I don't know how y'all gonna come back. Let's see. <laughs> okay, we excrete almost half of the water we drink for our breath. There's no fucking way. That's no, it's not hmm. a half. It can't be half. It can't be half. Almost half. How hot does your breath? Oh, it does have say to be almost half. He's going with true. All your 
Oh, Robbie. All right. Robbie got it. Oh, All right. man. Oh, that's, I don't that's true. That's come out with him, right? We've yeah, but they have. particles for the last two years. Think about how much you paralyzed aerosolized you particles. You're right. That's a good point. Aerosolized particles. It's we haven't talking about every COVID. Time you breathe out. There's humidity. I suggest all of our listeners and viewers fact check all of these questions. And <laughs> yeah, not me. This is the last one. I don't think you guys are coming back. Credit. Nobody can catch up, right? Okay. The world average. Oh, this is perfect. The world average <laughs> of the erect penis is 13 centimeters. Can anybody convert that? That's, that's about three inches. inches. Five inches. No, 13 centimeters. Oh yeah. my god. Really. Uh, 2.5 I mean, centimeters per inch. Centimeters. Five inches. inches. I don't... Listen. Yeah, you're right. Uh, five inches. Not what we saw from Nelly. Woo! 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 I guess I'm lying. I really don't know. That seems like... That's, but this is the world. That seems like kind of small. I'm going with live. <laughs> it seems a little small to me. Five inches? You know, I have no concept. But if you're, if no, you're measuring me it's... here in the summer, as opposed to these winters, there is a difference. So everybody has lies. Okay, so let's see. Okay. This I is true? I can't be right. That's bullshit. All right. This is, that's it. So anyway, I win the game. Yay! <laughs> I won a game. I don't know what I'm going to say for my final thought. I'm going to make something up. I always oh, tell you guys you to prepare a, your final. You have a speech prepared for your <laughs> for um, prepared win today. Oh, <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> All right, shout All outs. Right. <laughs> All right, start with Ellen. Um, shout out to all the people who don't give a shit about football but are there for the snacks. Um, as someone who likes football and likes to watch what's going on, I fully support the people who are like, I don't care about football. I'm here for the snacks. I'm here for the drinks. So shout out to those powerful people because they know what they want. Like. That's right. Robbie? A shout out to the counter protesters who are organizing, who are mobilizing, and who are showing the occupiers that they have had enough. It's time to go home. All right, Lizzie. Shout out to people who don't boast about their packages and penises and then get their feelings hurt when we call them out on their bullshit. Shout out. Shout out to you. <laughs> oh, I can agree with you on the body shaming part. I mean, he, he, he has body shamed a few women. So don't, don't tell me your shit is big and powerful and boastful. And then I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right you final shout out goes to the winner <laughs> oh wait my I'm sorry my shout out my shout out goes to beyond the scars podcast those ladies are working hard and getting those episodes out great episode yeah. coming up so i've already listened to it so i got my sneak peek it's a really good episode can't wait for them to share that with you all right our final shout out goes to the winner of pet shenanigans of the week that is Craig Gardner and his beautiful black cat, Grace Jones. With those huge, gorgeous eyes. Playing a little cat foo. All right. To see all of the pets and your post your favorite pets photo or video, join the TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group, mypetshenanigans.com. All right. And that is officially all the time we have today's show. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us. And we hope that you maybe learned something, gained a new perspective, even got some things off your chest. We will be back next week with another amazing guest, more hot topics, and of course, lots of shenanigans. Don't forget the podcast is available for download every Monday. Subscribe to Truth Lost Shenanigans wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget Beyond the Scars podcast. 
The conversation is not ending here. We are going to keep the record button on for our after show live exclusively on TLSFans.com Facebook page immediately following the show and available for our podcast subscribers every Tuesday at TLSPod.com. We are going to try to get in there and talk about Joe Rogan and his N-word tirade. So you got to go to TLSFans.com. All right. And our final thought for the show, it goes to me today. So <laughs> I want to say I would it's Black History Month. Celebrate it, understand it, learn all you can because it is an incredible history of black people, the struggles that black people have gone through, how we have gotten to where we are, and even the struggles we're still dealing with. So learn, 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 learn more. All right. Thank you, Lizzie, Ellen, Robbie Rock, and people behind the scenes. We got Nesmi, Gianni, Jose, Olivia E. But most importantly, we have to thank you. Thank you for watching and listening to our shenanigans each and every week. And we will see you next time. <laughs>